Welcome back to the Adam Schefter Podcast as the preseason is underway with last week's Hall of Fame game and we are getting ready for more preseason football this upcoming week. And as we continue to look ahead for the upcoming season, we will be joined today by the newest member of the CBS Analyst Sports Team, the former Falcons and Colts quarterback Matt Ryan as he looks ahead to this season and looks back on the storied career that he led in Atlanta and Indianapolis. And we had plenty of NFL news this past week, much of it surrounding NFL running backs. The news came down last Friday that the NFL was suspending Pro Bowl running back Alvin Kamara for his role in a fight the night before the 2022 Pro Bowl in Las Vegas. And that was a wild scene the next day at the Pro Bowl where Alvin Kamara is on the field. Police come into the stadium. They're looking to talk to him about the fight that occurred. This case dragged on and on and on. He pleaded down from a potential felony charge to a misdemeanor in this particular case. And frankly, when you spoke to people around the league, they were bracing for a longer suspension than three games. I think the Saints thought it would be longer than three games. Part of the reason they went out during the season and signed Jamal Williams in free agency and then drafted TCU running back Kendry Miller in round three. And as we record this on Monday, they're hosting a visit with the former Browns running back Kareem Hunt. And so they are looking to add depth at that position. They have added depth at the position. And frankly, the fact that Kamara is getting only three games, I think, is a victory for the Saints, a victory for Alvin Kamara. Most people thought the suspension would be longer than that. We still await, at the time of this taping on Monday morning, decisions from Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott. As for Dalvin Cook, here's the thing. There's no real rush for him to go sign with somebody today. Now, it could happen, of course, but he still is not ready to practice. And it may still be a couple more weeks before he can practice. So if that is the case, why not just wait and see if there's another team, a contending team that suffers an injury at the running back position that would pay more than the Miami Dolphins or New York Jets or New England Patriots are willing to pay for a running back like Dalvin Cook who couldn't practice today anyway. So there's no rush for him to make that decision. Still think the AFC East is the most likely landing spot, but injuries happen in camp, changes the situation and dynamics, and you just don't know how that's going to affect Dalvin Cook. We also wait for a decision from Ezekiel Elliott. I think most people around the league still think somehow, some way he's going to wind up in New England, but he hasn't yet. And maybe it's just that he doesn't want to go through camp and there's no rush there. But he did visit New England. That was the one place he visited. I still think that New England would be the likely landing spot. But again, until these things are done, they're not done. You never know if another team steps in. And we'll wait to see what happens with Ezekiel Elliott. As for another running back, Mercedes Lewis, tight end, signs last week with the Chicago Bears rejoins his former Packers tight end teammate Robert Tanyan there in Chicago, along with Cole Komet, who signed a contract extension. And we're going to talk about this with Matt Ryan a little bit, but Mercedes Lewis, 18 years in the league. This will break the mark that Jason Witten and Tony Gonzalez had for the most NFL seasons that any player at that position had played. 
And that speaks to the type of person that Mercedes Lewis has been throughout his career. Just incredible that he could have the run he has had, and now it continues in Chicago. Good for him and good for the Bears. The Bears get themselves a major asset in Mercedes Lewis. And here's the other thing that stood out to me this past week. We used to see a whole bunch of contract extensions the day before the regular season began. Now, more and more, they're being pushed back. There were a bunch of extensions right before training camp began. Justin Herbert, Cole Komet, a bunch of them. And now you're even seeing them during training camp. Last week, we see the Cowboys extend their safety, Malik Hooker. We see the Saints extend the great Cameron Jordan, one of my favorite players in the league as men. And I think players now are getting more extensions prior to the start of the regular season, which is a wise move on their part. Get the money locked in. Get the security locked in before anybody steps onto the field for an actual preseason game. Smart move by the players and a trend that we hope continues moving forward. All right. As for the guests this week, we are joined by the former number three overall pick in the 2008 NFL Draft, who spent 14 years with the Atlanta Falcons in addition to the one season he played with the Indianapolis Colts last year. He won the Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2008, was named the NFL MVP in 2016, and this season he'll be working in the booth for CBS alongside Andrew Catalan and Tiki Barber, the great Matt Ryan. Appreciate you taking the time. You look good. You too, man. How's the summer been? You know what, Matt? My life never changes, whether it's the summer or the winter. We're, it's just... <laughs> it's five dogs... <laughs> It's two kids. It's football that doesn't stop. You know, it's just kind of the way. Honestly, July could be November. It could be October. It could be March. It doesn't matter. It's all the same, brother. It's all the same. How different is it for you right now going through everything that you're going through? I was going to say my, my life has changed drastically. <laughs> I would imagine it has. <laughs> so if your life is all the same, mine is wildly different. And how are you enjoying it? You know, it's been really good. Um, weird, you know what I mean? And, and like strange, uh, particularly like the last two weeks with training camps getting rolling and, and that kind of stuff. But it's been good. We were at the beach the first week when everybody was back in training camp. I was like, this isn't so bad. You know, some of it's pretty good. So uh, it's been good. It's been good. Got up to Falcons practice uh, this past week. I saw that. Yeah, which was cool. Cool to be back and, and kind of cool to see it. And uh, and then heading up to Chicago next uh, this Thursday. And then Bills for the preseason game against the Colts to hang out with Andrew Catalan. And then off to New York City to do a practice game. So we're getting rolling, man. Do, do you miss it at all right now? Like when you showed up at the Falcons camp, was there any part of you that was thinking, huh? I'd like to be out there. Yeah, I think I, I think you'd be lying if you said you didn't miss it a little bit, right? You, you go out there and, and you see people, you know, it's just like you hear the horn starting to go. I feel like we're conditioned, you know, like to hear that horn and, and just get out there and go. So, yeah, definitely, you know, part of part of me misses it. Uh, and then you see him running conditioning drills and stuff like that at the end. You're like, uh, you know, I don't miss <laughs> no, that part. No, I, you know? no. <laughs> I miss certain parts of it, but uh, and not we're going to get to the football stuff. But here is where I want to start. Here is when I knew the day that I felt like you would be a great broadcaster. That if and when you decided that you wanted to move into the next phase of your career and be an on-air analyst, as you are now going to be for CBS, that 
you would be a great success at it. I'm going to take you back to January 4th, 2015. And I brought this up to you before, right? Yes. You were at ESPN headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut for a wild card round to be the guest analyst that day. And I would say roughly, if my memory serves me correctly, about two hours before we went to air, they walked into the green room at ESPN and announced that the great Stuart Scott had just passed away. And a pall came over the entire place. It was as sad a day as I ever could remember being at ESPN. And now we had to go on air and pretended we cared about something when everybody was just in shock and utterly speechless. And you that day were phenomenal. You were phenomenal. You stepped on air in a setting that was not common, that was unusual, and were, as you always are, a total pro. And if you could do that day on January 4th, 2015, what you did, I can't imagine you're going to face too many days that will be more challenging than the one that you experienced at ESPN eight and a half years ago, Matt. Well, you're nice to say it. Um, I remember, so I got up there the night before, you know, and I'm nervous to go on just because just I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, right? And, and I, it's, it's guys I had watched growing up, you know, growing up. So it's, it was Boomer running it. Uh, Tom Jackson's on there. Uh, Key's on there. I mean, it, it was CC's on there. And so I'm like, man, the, like, these are the guys I knew from like watching them in high school or watching them in college. Um, and so I'm all nervous when, when I get up there. But then drove over to, to the studios. And, and I think we were all kind of sitting in the, the green room, right? And they're having bagels or, or whatever, a cup of coffee. Yeah, they, put out, they put out food. They put out a little, uh, little trays of food. It's a nice setup. It's, it's a nice setup. I got to give them it. But came in and got the news. And, um, you know, I knew Stuart a little bit. Um, I had been fortunate enough to, to get to meet him a couple of different times, but I grew up with him. You know what I mean? Like I, I was the age where every, every morning or every night or whatever time of the day it was when I got a chance, I mean, sports center was it and he was the guy. And so, you know, I remember flipping my pillow at night thinking, man, the other side of the pillow is a little cooler, you know, like just little stuff like that. And, um, to see just kind of everybody's reaction and how heartbroken everybody was, uh, that, that was, that was difficult. I will say this though. I mean, the, the level of professionalism that, that everybody had to go on, uh, and pay respect the way that, that they deserve to, but also to, to get on and, and keep going with the wildcard weekend and talk about it. It was, um, that was a great learning lesson for me. Um, of of how good these guys are at, at what they do. And, um, you know, you could tell Boom was hurting. Uh, there's, 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 I, I know Chris, you know, and, and I've gotten to know him through the years, and you could tell he was hurting, and then boom, the minute it was time to go, I mean, he was the ultimate boss, uh, just running the ship and, and, and driving that show. Uh, that was That was really cool to see, but it was a strange day to be there for sure, something I didn't know I was walking into. Um, but you could feel how loved he was, you know, how loved he was by everyone there. Uh, and, you know, part of, of 
I, I, I kind of think back on it. I'm like, how cool am I that I got to experience this really, really sad day, but to see the impact that he had on so many people's like, you could visually see it. And uh, that part uh, is something I'll never forget. I'll always think of you being there that day. It just always stayed in my mind. It was something that was fresh. So when I hear that you're going to broadcasting, I say, well, he's going to be a natural. When did you come to the realization that this was something that you wanted to do after your football playing days were done, Matt? It probably started with that that first experience of, of going on Sunday Countdown. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it was – I mean, it was way off at that point. You know, I, I was still – probably 30 years old at, at, at that time coming up to do the show uh, and felt like I was going to play another 20 years, you know, watching, watching older guys do it. Of course I'll play until I'm 45. Well, <laughs> you know, it does, it doesn't always shake out like that. Uh, and so that was probably the seed, you know, that, that started everything. And then honestly, when I got traded from, uh, from Atlanta to Indianapolis, it was, it was the first time for me, it was like the wake up call of, you know, things can change quickly and, you know, your life isn't always going to be waking up and, and being the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, you know, at some point, you know, that's going to change. And um, so I, I kind of had conversations with the people that I go to for advice and, and said, Hey, you know, what do you think? Uh, what do you think would, would be something that would be good when we're done? I'm not there yet. I wasn't there at the time, but like, I'm a planner. I like to kind of be in front of things and, and to kind of have a vision for, for what the future is going to look like. And, and so, you know, then the Indianapolis season shakes out the way that it did. And I was like, well, this might be a lot sooner than I thought, uh, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to be this year, but uh, you know, life happens that way sometimes. And, and really just had uh, a great chance to meet with a lot of people. I saw you at Super Bowl uh, this past year, but yep. meet with a lot of different people uh, Super Bowl week and, and get a feel for what might be a fit. And ultimately, you know, the, the position with CBS came up and uh, it, it really, you know, was going to be a mix of doing some games, doing some studio work. And the more we got into discussions, the more we felt like, you know, I think games would be a really good fit for the regular season and then hop in the studio and, and help out a little bit during the postseason. And uh, I'm looking forward to both of it. I think it's going to be a really fun, different fall for me. I didn't realize that you were going to be in studio in the postseason. Yeah, I might be breaking news. I mean, this, yeah, well, is, that's this okay. is what you do. So uh, <laughs> I, I guess they'll be comfortable with, with with me saying that. Honestly, I didn't know, you know, when we when we initially um, kind of got into talks, I didn't know exactly how it was going to shake out. But I, I got along really well with, with the, the people there. And, and um, so I, I, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to give me a mix of, of kind of both of, of those worlds um you know this fall this winter and um you know hopefully i'll enjoy it and, and try and do a great job for cbs hey i'll tell you this i love those guys they are yeah. total pros james brown and boomer Esiason and phil sims uh nate burleson the media mogul here's the great part about those guys like my daughter works for nickelodeon nickelodeon yes. is the sister station of cbs so they were doing a promo shoot out in vegas so when they're doing a promo shoot in Vegas in May, and I take my daughter out, here's your team and my daughter, and I'm with her. So I'm with your yes. team, and I get to spend a little bit of time with those guys. And I honestly have a great affection and a great respect for the people that they are and the job that they do, and it's great to be around them 
and I have the utmost respect, and you will fit right in being a seasoned analyst on post-game wildcard weekends, Matt. You will fit right in there. I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to try my best. It is a good group. I, I got to go up uh, after this past season and, and kind of do NFL Today with that crew. Uh, and you said it. James is James oh. might be the most well-spoken person I've ever met in my life. Just like eloquent. When it comes out of his mouth, it's just it's perfect. Uh, and he's super, super nice guy. Really, you know, really just fun to be around. And the rest of that crew, I mean, Coach Cower, he's – He's like the football, you know, he, he just like you look at him and you think football. And then you got two quarterbacks on there and Nate and uh, it was a fun crew. But it goes fast, man. That's the one thing I've realized with those shows, right? Like yeah. doing oh. it on Sunday NFL Countdown or doing uh, NFL Today. You know, you get in those studio shows, it moves fast. And you better be able to get your point across, get in and get out and and, and kind of listen and, and hear what uh, the other guys are saying. The pace of it is something that, to me, was was really, really cool to be a part of. You brought up Indianapolis last year, and what a wild year that was. I have a few questions about that. Let's put your media hat on right now, and what would be your assessment of the situation with Jonathan Taylor? Man, it's hard, right? It's it's So, I understand the climate of the league. Right. Like I, I understand there's there's just how the salary cap is set up, where you want to pay money, where you want to invest money, spend money, all of those things. Um, I understand, you know, the franchise tag and how that's applied and in certain ways, how it can be good for a player. But you look at the running back position. I was shocked when I saw this. I had no idea. Shocked when I saw that the running back position is the second lowest franchise tag to kicker and punter. It was wild, it was like crazy to me. Um, so I've been in the league 15 years, never even realized that. That's probably, <laughs> it's changed, you yeah. know, since I've been in the league. But um, but then I also know Jonathan as the player, right? And I don't think anybody would deny how great of a player he is and what kind of impact he brings to a team. Um, you know, so the, the thing I would say is that a lot of times I think things are handled better behind closed doors uh and and just not getting it out there um and, and so it's something that i always try to do as a player so it's not me trying to say i would do things differently than i've always done in in a certain situations i just always felt like <clears throat> the uncomfortable conversations that needed to be had the discussions about contracts the discussions with owners the owners discussions with you i always felt like that stuff was just better handled close the door keep it tight, uh, and not let it get out. I, I feel the same way. I'm a member of the media. I make my living off news and information. I love when these things get out. But that one, in this particular case, they'll accomplish more doing it in private, and then we can report on it once they reach a resolution. But that is a hard one to forecast to see how that's going to come out because he wants to get paid or he wants to get traded. And the Colts don't want to trade him and they don't want to pay him. So somebody's got to give in somewhere. Do you have any idea how this is going to be resolved, Matt? What would be your best guess right now as we tape here the first week in August as, as to how this particular situation could be resolved? I don't know. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't know. Um, my, my guess, I mean, my guess is is he plays this season out and, and, and we see where that leads. Um, 
I don't know. You know, I haven't talked to Jonathan about it. Um, I think in these situations, sometimes you're better off. People just need space, you know, to, to kind of sort things out the way that they, they want to do. Um, but I, I think he plays at some point knowing him as, as a teammate, like the, the thing about it is he's one of the nicest people, right? Like the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's one of the best teammates, unselfish, hard worker, all of those things. Um, but is in that window where it's his turn. It's his turn to get paid. It, it's all of those things. And you're at that standstill. And so uh, I know Chris Ballard. I know Jim Mercer, they'll, they'll do their best to try and, you know, make it right. I'm not sure if both sides can come to that that place where it makes sense for both of them. Uh, but my guess is that he kind of plays the season out and then we'll see where it goes from there. Well, that's the problem. If they don't make it right and they don't pay him, I don't know that he's going to be willing to play it out this season. And that's where it gets interesting. <laughs> I know. it's good. Well, yeah, the beauty is you know more about these kind of situations than I, than I do, right? You've been in the weeds on, on more <laughs> of these than I have. But some guys are different, right? Like some guys in your building are different. And, and you want to treat everybody fair, but fair doesn't mean equal. It's not the same treatment of, of everyone. And there's certain positions and certain guys that sometimes you just have to handle differently um, because, because things will explode kind of like they have right, right at this moment. And it's become such, such a big story. So uh, I know they probably would have all liked for it to, to, been handled differently but they're in the spot they are and uh my guess is he plays though my guess my gut is that i I bet he plays this year before we move on from indianapolis i'm just curious to know what your reaction was last year when you heard that frank reich uh, was being fired and being replaced by my former teammate jeff saturday uh so i'll tell a funny story so um frank got fired on monday we had a team meeting that was scheduled for 11 and then the meeting gets pushed back and I'm one of the guys in the room that have been through an in-season firing. And so I'm like, all right, this isn't good. You know, um, <laughs> like meetings don't get pushed back in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. So it gets pushed back and Chris comes in and kind of lets us know that they've made the decision to, to move on from Frank. And I, just as a veteran guy, I, I had been benched two weeks before. I was in a position where I was kind of like, listen, I'm probably one of the only people in this building with zero agenda. I have no agenda here other than to tell you that it's going to be all right. You know, we're, we're going to have to show up Wednesday. We're going to have to play this game on Sunday. And we've got experienced coaches that were currently on the staff before. So we've got John Fox who had been a head coach in the NFL for a long time. Gus Bradley, like we have these guys in the back. I'm like, we have experienced coaches in the back. We're going to be okay. The schedule might be a little (laughs) bit different on Wednesday. It might be all of this. And then, like, three hours later, they're like, okay, we hired Jeff. And I'm like, well, I was speaking to those guys. Kevin. I don't know how this is going to go with Jeff coming in. But um, the funny part is I had known Jeff. I mean, shoot, I'd known Jeff for 15 years, basically. And um, I love him. I mean, he's he's as good of a guy as there is. He's great on TV. Uh, and he knows ball. You know, he, he knows football. But I felt bad to a certain extent, too, because he's coming into an impossible situation of – trying to, you know, be a head coach of a football team midseason with a staff that had on the offensive side of the ball kind of been decimated with losing Frank, who was calling plays. Marcus Brady was fired a couple of weeks before, who was kind of conducting the game plans. Uh, our tight ends coach left to take a job at Stanford. So, like, 
the number of guys that he had on the offensive staff, it was it was it was slim pickings. But he did. I mean, given the situation, I thought he did a good job. He's a good leader of men, good motivator of men. Um, I'd be curious to see if it's something that he wants to stay involved in moving forward or not. Yeah. I haven't seen any of his comments on that, but uh, given different circumstances, I think he could have done a he, he could have done a good job. But it was it was extenuating circumstances. Well, I'll tell you my story from that morning. So I'm flying to New Orleans for a Ravens Saints game, and I get to JFK about six a.m. and I'm at the gate with Booger McFarland, and I get a text that it sounds like Jeff Saturday is in line to take over for Frank Reich at 6 in the morning. And I start texting a few people to confirm, to see if it's accurate. And I'm getting a lot of crickets, which right away tells me something's up. And I turn to Booger and I say, I think the Colts are firing Frank Reich. He goes, really? I say, yeah, and I think they're hiring Jeff Saturday. And he said, Jim Irsay must have been drunk last night. <laughs> that's what he says he's like there's no way this is true and we had to get on the plane and I'm trying to confirm it the whole way to New Orleans on the flight and I could tell I I could tell right away you, you kind of know these things are happening but you can't run with it yet because you don't yeah. have the full confirmation and it became very apparent to me on that flight to New Orleans that Jeff Saturday was going to be the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and Frank Reich was going to be fired so it was a torturous flight down, fighting Wi-Fi issues the entire time, <laughs> waiting to see when this crazy move is going to happen. And it happened just as I was walking into my hotel in New Orleans. Again, as I always say to people, players and coaches remember plays. You remember play calls. You remember how they're... Reporters remember stories and the way that they unfold throughout the course of a day, especially stories like that one. Always. Well, what... One hundred percent. I mean, it's one of one. How many stories have you had that that they're a dime a dozen, right? Like, yeah, it's the same story that you've had twenty different times, and you've gone through all all of the procedure to confirm or to you know whatever vet your sources, all of those things, and you probably forget a lot of those, right? Because it's the same story, it's the same thing. But you did your job, you did a great job, you got all the information you needed. Every once in a while, there's a play call as a player or a play you made or a situation like this. That's unprecedented. And and so you do, you know exactly where you were, you know exactly the issues that you were dealing with. Oh, yeah. It is funny now I'm learning, this is good tips to learn from you, that silence is ba- is basically confirmation. <laughs> oh, you know, that's the thing. When people don't respond, they're confirming without confirming. Correct. Silence is, is very powerful. You know, I, I could say this story now, right, when I don't mind sharing it. When Jeff Darlington and I were reporting that Tom Brady was going to retire, I had reached out to his agent, who's been a longtime acquaintance of mine. I've had a long-standing sure. relationship with Don Yee. known him for 30 years. Didn't respond to me for like 24 hours, over five or six texting calls, and I thought, he just doesn't want to get involved. He doesn't want to say anything. And then yeah. we report that he's retiring, and the first calls from Don... What's going on? I was sit- sitting out back, like, uh, drinking orange juice and staring at orange trees. And I'll go, well, we just reported that your guy's retiring. He goes, oh, boy. Okay, let me get back to you. You know? And so oh. I, he didn't know that I had missed him. And so it was one of these things. So I, I, I've done this long enough. I know sometimes that when somebody's not responding, 
they're avoiding you on purpose. I thought he was avoiding us on purpose, and that wasn't the case in this particular case. Whew. <laughs> and that's then, a loaded one. And then the fireworks began. Yeah, that, that, that's a loaded one right there, man. <laughs> and, and then the fireworks began. All right, uh, let's look back at some parts of your career. I'm sorry to bring this up, but what part yep. of 28 to 3 do you carry with you most? Um, I mean... <sighs> I mean, it's disappointing. I, I, I carry the disappointment uh, a lot. You know, I think back to how good of a team that was, the year that we had, um, the way that we were playing, and just, you know, it's, it's hard. Uh, and you, you think, given that, that situation and given the team that we had, you know, we made a pretty good run the next year, too. We lost in Philadelphia, who ended up being mm. uh, Super Bowl champs that year. So... You know, the disappointment, the frustration, um, that part's, I don't think that ever really leaves. Um, but I do think it made, you know, it made me harder as, as a player, tougher, all of those things. And um, I, I think from, from that standpoint, it's a positive. Uh, I, I, feel like, I feel like, in all honesty, it's the most relatable thing. Like, if I'm asked to give a speech or tell a story or talk to something about that, is really one of the more relatable things that you have to, to most people, wow. right? It's the disappointment that you go through in life of being so close and having it right there and then not getting it done. Uh, and, and the things that I talk to people about that all the time and, and the stories that you can share is about how you get back up, you know, and you keep going um, in the face of that. And, and so in a lot of ways, I think that's been good for other people, maybe disappointing wow. for me, you know, it's some, something that that would have been good, but you know, lessons that, that you can kind of share and help, uh, other people. I think that part's been good. Um, it's just the one thing that gets me is it's just like so unoriginal now too, cause it's been so long of like, just, and maybe I'll still get it in the booth or something like that, but just people like screaming nothing other than like 28 to three. Out yet. <laughs> and I, I remember, I think it was like, I think this happened last year. I forget. Maybe I went over 60,000 yards or something like that. Yeah. And the, 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 the serial code on the ball, I think, was like 283. And, Is that and right? I got roasted for that, too. Yeah, I think it was I think it was the ball that I used was serial code 283, whatever that is. And so I was like, geez, man, I can't. There's something to this number that that I'm attached to or, or something like that. But um, you know what? It, it was uh, it was disappointing. It was tough. It's something that I think always kind of will will be there. But there's a lot of lessons that I learned from it of getting back up, keep moving forward, you know, picking yourself up, dusting yourself off and, and, and keep continuing to go attack. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. There's no way that you ever experienced a more painful loss than that, right? A more memorable loss than that. Uh, well, no, given the circumstances, given, given everything involved. No, that was, um, that was a tough one. And, and, and the crazy part was too, uh, you know, we had this play at the end of the game where we hit Julio on the sideline and it was like, no, we just, we stopped the momentum. We did it, you know, and then kind of went back and, and we weren't able to, to capitalize right after that. But like, it, it was, um, that was for sure the toughest one. We had a bad loss last year against Minnesota too, but like, Ooh. and I think that might've been like the largest one, but <laughs> oh. the scale the scale of the two games was was much different. Well, we'll and get so, to that. We uh, in a moment. I'm sorry, but 
The, yeah, the yeah. Julio catch that you're talking about, are you talking about that catch that he made along the sidelines that might have gone down as one of the greatest catches in Super Bowl history would be more talked about if you had won the game than now it's kind of overlooked and forgotten because you lost? For sure. You know, what's wild in that one, too, is this is, you know, Julian Edelman makes this this crazy catch during our game, too. Yes. Which was an unbelievable play and, like, awesome by him. But, like, kind of fluky, kind of lucky, kind of all of those things. Julio's was just straight talent. You know what I mean? And, and like, just unbelievable taking it off to be able to get his foot down. He's one of one. One of one guys at that time on the planet that can make that play. Um, and so, yeah, it would have, I think that play would have been looked at far differently had the outcome been different. Uh, and, but still, nonetheless, I mean, it was a hell of a play. Just curious, did you have any interactions with Tom Brady that night or subsequent to that, that stayed with you where you two had an exchange where you reminded him of the fact that he took what would have been the biggest one of your career away from you or anything of that sort with him? Well, no, I never really, I never really went, went went on that. Of like, you could have just given me one, dude. Like, <laughs> we, we could have taken one. But uh, he, I'll, I'll never forget this. He texted me that night um, as they're celebrating, as all of all of that is going on. Uh, and I remember getting that text from him that that night, late after that game, uh, and just it was a really nice text and. Um, you know, that that to me is is the part of, of him that I'll never forget is is him reaching out in that moment where they could be celebrating and and he has the presence of mind to to shoot a note and, and say, hey, man, you know, keep your head up. All, all of all of the good stuff that he said during that text. But uh, that's the thing that that I'll remember uh, from from him from that night. And what is your reaction when you get the text from Tom Brady the night of that game? I, I, I mean, I was. Um, I had had a few, I probably had a few cocktails at that point <laughs> trying to drain the sorrow out. Uh, it's so funny. You come back, you know, they have all of these, this, you know, they got the party set up and it's like win or lose the party's still there when you get back. And I got back and I just had like this room, this kind of private room set off with just my family. It was just kind yeah. of a spot for us to, to hang out. And I was just seeing a few of them and I got this text and I was, I was, I, I was uh, I was surprised, genuinely surprised that that he would reach out, you know, that that evening, given all that had just happened yeah. and, and them celebrating. Uh, but I was appreciative. You know, I, I, I probably the, the emotion that, uh, you know, I felt the most was appreciation for knowing, you know, what what I was going through at, at that point. And, you know, we both put ourselves out there, you know, uh, and and sometimes you're on the right side of it. Sometimes you fall short. Um, but there's so much genuine respect for the guys that you go into it with or you battle against or you compete against. Uh, I really appreciate that side of it. Well, good for you for handling that the way you did. And you brought up the game in Minnesota, and oddly enough, your first regular season game in the booth will be Tampa Bay at Minnesota. That's right. Where last season, of course, your team led 33 nothing against the Vikings and wound up losing. What stands out about that game, Matt, as we walk down this dreadful memory lane? And I appreciate you going on the walk with me. Yeah, this is this is the, <laughs> the best this is the best interview I've done, man. Come on and talk about all these. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. No. Well, I'll tell you this much, going back into that stadium. Yeah. 
I will for sure be not making any outrageous claims during that game of what's going to happen or what's not, because I've seen in that stadium, like stuff happen that just can't happen. And so, uh, I mean, it was wild. We, you know, we were, uh, I can't, I can't, rem- I can't remember what it was at halftime, but it was, it might've been like 30 to nothing, whatever it was. Um, and just a slow drip, you know, that, that was one of those, it was a slow drip that, it was just little things after one, after another, after another, after another. Um, and we had so many chances to, to finish that game and just didn't. Um, but, you know, it, it'll, I, I suppose it would be cool to get back in that stadium, not have a helmet on, not have to, not have to worry about that. We just have to react to whatever happens. Now, when you announced that you were going to CBS, you mentioned that you weren't retired from playing. So what would it take for you to come back and play similar to what Jay Cutler did in 2017 when he took a job at Fox and then returned to play for the Dolphins after Ryan Tannehill tore his ACL. Yeah, I think, you know, I I think I remember that situation because we played against Jay uh, that year. We played them in Atlanta. And so, um, you know, for me, particularly at that time, too, it was like, you don't know how an offseason is going to shake out uh, with different organizations. You don't know who's going to get injured. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Games are, are starting in earnest now, right, with preseason games. We had the Hall of Fame game last week, but yeah. games are starting in earnest now, and you just don't know. So, I mean, I, I couldn't sit here and say, hey, this is what I need for a situation for it to happen. Right. Uh, you just have to, to kind of wait and, and see how it shakes out and what it looks like. But, um, you know, they know my number, so we'll – We'll, we'll see what happens. So, like, you're staying in shape, like you're doing quarterback drills the way you ordinarily would as you're getting ready to do a preseason telecast and do a practice game. You're doing double duty here, part quarterback, part analyst? Well, I mean, I'm trained. I'm training. I wouldn't say I'm doing as much as I've done, <laughs> as much as I've done in the past uh, in terms of, like, training camp timing of throwing and those kind of stuff. But I'm in good shape. Um I think part of that is like therapy for me, right? It's like I've been so much in that routine of my whole life, right. getting up and training in the morning and getting going. And so that's part of it is is just I feel good when I do it. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm in I'm in good shape right now. But I I would say more of my attention has been to the analyst portion of it at this point, knowing that I, I've, I'm I'm a lot more green uh, in this space than I am in in terms of of going out and playing. Well, it's a lifestyle choice, right? So you basically have become accustomed to working out and making healthy choices, I'm I'm assuming. And so you're just living that life while you're going about your job to become the analyst for CBS Sports that you will be. Correct. Yeah, I think I think part of it is you're exactly right. I mean, I think we're so conditioned as athletes and and, and to be honest with you, you see it go I, I feel bad saying this, but you see guys go kind of one or two directions after they're done. That's you know it's it, very right? true. It's either it's either really good or it's it's not good, you know. And um, and so I know that I feel good. I know that you know I'm I'm a better husband. I'm better around the house when I'm working out. When I'm staying in shape. When I'm when I'm doing those things. And and also you know it it, it is like I I saw reports like Philip Rivers was was talking about still being in shape to be able to play last year. He's yeah. been done, you know, a handful of years. So you never know when the phone's gonna ring, so you might as well be in good shape. Well he's busy being a father. That keeps him in shape too with ten kids. Ten. 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 
Oh my goodness, he's got to keep himself young. How many are you up to? I've got three. So I've got twin boys that are five, and we've got a four-month-old, uh, a fresh f- f- another boy. So three boys, uh, but I will never catch up to him in that. State. No, no, he, you, he's man. he's it's, he's it's the, not happening. He's the unofficial father of our country, Matt. <laughs> yes, correct. It's 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 pretty incredible. Well, last week I had on Demarcus Ware and Joe Thomas, and I've now done this job for thirty-three years, but I remembered. When they were drafted, I remembered milestone moments in their careers. I remember them retiring. I remember them going into the Hall of Fame. And I think when I talk to you now, I, I look back and I think, well, here was this guy. I remember when the decision was made for the Dolphins to go Jake Long at number one in the 2008 draft. And that caused Matt Ryan to slide to number three to the Atlanta Falcons. And he goes in that draft with the third overall pick to where... You go and have the career you do. You come to ESPN. You go to Indianapolis. Now you're going to CBS Sports. And it just makes me feel old that I get to watch all these steps of all these guys who are now doing what I do and going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I covered them in college or as high school or as rookies. It's it's amazing to me. It makes me feel very old, man. I just have to say that with you. I got to tell you, I'm just impressed with the longevity, man. The longevity to me is is impressive that you've been able to do it as long as you have at the level you've done it that's kind of uh, I, it was one of the things i always admired you know with players too right with with older guys i remember like you said getting drafted in 2008 and coming in and seeing guys like you know todd mcclure uh who was a center for us for the falcons he's 10 plus years into his career and just i'm like looking at him like how do you do this right. you know like and so Longevity in any in any space to me is is always one of the most impressive things, and the passion that you have for it. You know, you have to like longevity doesn't happen without great passion, and the fact that you're still as passionate as you are about it and you can remember all of this stuff, uh, you're doing something right, man. Well, I was so excited to talk to you when I woke up this morning. This is something that I've wanted to do all summer long, and last week Mercedes Lewis signed right his 18th season as a tight end. And I commented on his Instagram page, and it's true, you can't play 18 years in the NFL a tight end on talent alone. It speaks, no. it speaks to the type of character and man you are. And so it's awesome for him. It's awesome for you that you had the run that you did, and I'm happy to be doing this for 33 years, getting to chart you and watch you, and hopefully now I will continue to watch you grow into a star analyst, and you'll come back and revisit this spot with us, and we'll do this again. Anytime you want, man. I got, I got some more free time now, so anytime you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm I think you may on. regret saying that to me, but I certainly will take you up on that, Matt. Thank you very much. <laughs> Happy to, dude. Happy to. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate taking some time, Matt. Lots of luck with the upcoming season, and hopefully our paths will cross somewhere on the road. You got it, brother. Good to see you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com 
Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. And there is the great Matt Ryan, and I think he's going to do a tremendous job for CBS. He is a student of the sport. He loves what he does, and he's going to have great success in his next field, and we look forward to watching him. He's always been truly one of my favorite people in the NFL, and I am really honored that he would be able to share that time with us today. All right. This upcoming week, we are embarking on a little training camp adventure, but in a different type of way. And it started Sunday night when me and our great producer, Harry Hawkins, took O's Perlman, the mentalist. I don't know if you saw him last year, but O's did mental tricks for the Baltimore Ravens and Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Seattle Seahawks. And then we played the features on Sunday NFL Countdown. And if anybody missed them, just Google O's with those particular teams, ESPN features. They will come right up. He did an unbelievable job. He blows people away. And on Sunday night, Harry and I took O's to the Jets complex to begin his training camp tapings. And he spent about an hour performing for the New York Jets. And of course, O's killed it. Oh, he killed it. And Hard Knocks was there in full to tape O's. And they will play portions of it in the second Hard Knocks, which airs a week from the time that we're taping this, which would be essentially August 15th. O's will be on Hard Knocks at that point, some districts. And then ESPN will play a full entire feature of O's' work with the New York Jets this past week at some point this season. And he was on point. He was on his game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was involved. C.G. Uzama was involved. John Franklin Myers was involved. We'll see what makes print or air and what doesn't. But he was great. And later this week, we'll be doing the same thing with four NFL teams that I'll talk about on next week's podcast. But O's was fantastic. Be on the lookout for that on Hard Knocks next week and ESPN Sunday Countdown this season, and very fired up to see Hard Knocks. Spent a lot of time with the NFL Films people on Sunday afternoon at the Jets Complex, and I told them, and I'll say it here, they are incredible at what they do. They do a tremendous job. They are dedicated uh, to their craft. Spent time with the woman who heads up the whole thing, Shannon Furman. Shannon is awesome, and Shannon reminded me, I totally had forgotten this. Back in the day when I worked for NFL Network, we had worked together on a big Bobby Bowden interview in Tallahassee, Florida. We spent some time together shooting a piece on Joe Paterno pre-Jerry Sandusky uh, in New York City. And so I guess to the point that Matt and I were talking about, when you do this for 33 years, you get to work with a lot of different people in a lot of different settings. And sometimes you have to be reminded about that happening. And I didn't remember working with the great producer of NFL Films, Shannon Furman, until Sunday night when we spent some time at the Jets Complex, but NFL Films people do a tremendous job. Really looking forward to seeing Hard Knocks debut Tuesday night, August 8th. Will be awesome to see that. All right, we'll be back in this spot next week. It's the Fantasy Football Marathon on ESPN. And to preview the marathon and all the fantasy selections for this year, players to take, players to avoid, we will be joined in this spot next week by ESPN's fantasy analyst, 
Field Yates and Daniel Dopp as we break down the best players for you to be targeting in your fantasy drafts in this spot next week. We want to thank the great Matt Ryan for his time today. I want to thank my producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, for helping put this podcast together, and you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Again, we'll be back in the spot next week with Phil Gates, Daniel Dopp. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.